0: Digital mental health tools are proliferating rapidly. Also known as e-mental health tools, they range from online information sites to online counseling and peer support, right through to mobile applications and online programs for assessment and interventions. As clinicians and therapists, how can we best blend these tools into our everyday practice? Hello, and welcome to this podcast. It is the second in a series of two commissioned by the Black Dog Institute as part of the Australian government's MPRAC project that supports practitioners in the use of e-mental health and digital resources. My name is Julia Reynolds. I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm fascinated by how clinicians use technology. I am joined by my colleague, Jamie Marshall, who uses technology in his rural psychology practice. Jamie also has clinical leadership roles and research interests in e-mental health. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our respects to elders past, present and future. We extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in our audience. Our previous webinar and podcast are available on the Black Dog Institute website They focused on how to select digital tools and how to evaluate key features such as their clinical effectiveness and how they manage data security and privacy. This podcast is based on our second webinar and focuses on how we can blend these tools into therapy. We will suggest some steps for incorporating technology into your work and provide two case studies to illustrate the use of these tools right across the client's journey through your practice and also when working with young people. Digital tools can serve many different functions in therapy. Apps are often used for tracking symptoms as well as therapeutic behaviours like exercise and breathing. But these tools can also help to provide support, consolidate clients' understanding of concepts such as exposure, and support broader interventions, such as enhancing motivation. There are many creative ways of blending different tools, therapists and clients, and while models of practice are still being developed, progress is being made in identifying some key clinician competencies. For example, the US Department of Defence published a practice guide for, for apps, but it can be applied more broadly. I'd encourage you to access the full guide, but for this podcast, I'll summarise the section on integrating digital resources into clinical practice. They suggest that we should firstly consider where and how the resources fit into our clinical workflow, and who will be responsible for managing the resources. So, of course, your practice can let people know about good resources even before your client meets you. In this scenario, Clinicians in the practice would be responsible for choosing and reviewing resources to suggest to clients, but other staff may help with managing links and making sure that promotional material is available, for example, in the waiting room. At this early stage in therapy, you might recommend portals like the government's Head to Health website, reputable psychoeducation websites, and support services that could help people before, during and after their contact with you. During and between sessions, clinicians can use more specific assessments and intervention tools tailored to the particular client's needs. They can also suggest resources at the end of therapy to support relapse prevention. For example, therapist-supported clinics can help people work on further issues that weren't the main focus of the therapy. Stand-alone intervention programs and sites can help people revisit their skills training and engage in positive psychology interventions to help maintain well-being. Online peer groups can support people to continue practicing their coping behaviors and help them quickly identify if things are starting to slip. The second step is introducing the resource and here it is important to assess the client's understanding and existing use of technology. You should also take into account other contextual issues such as culture and language and factors such as the cognitive load of the resource. If the tool has a lot of text or abstract concepts, it might be less suitable for people with concentration difficulties and this often occurs with people experiencing severe symptoms. Explain what the resource does, why you're suggesting it, where it fits into the overall therapeutic strategy and any costs involved in relation to time and money. Consider informed consent and, if necessary, obtain this in written format. As with other interventions, clients need to know that their use of digital resources is optional and be aware of other alternatives available to them. Explain the evidence or lack of evidence where this is relevant, as well as any safety and data security considerations. If you'd like to check your skills and knowledge in this area, the Australian Information Commissioner website has great resources about digital security for health providers. There are also resources available on the Black Dog Institute website and the Australian Psychological Society. The next step is to contract with the client and agree clear expectations about how, when and where the tool will be used especially if it is complex and you want the client to focus on particular elements of it. Things may run more smoothly if you can anticipate some of the logistical issues. How and where will the client first access the resource? And how will you both be able to see the screen at the same time without sitting in each other's laps? Finally, how will the client's use of the resource feed into your work together? How will you access self-monitoring data or skills practice records without compromising data security. If your client is using an online clinic such as MindSpot, you can access data within the secure platform. Self-guided online programs usually have options for clients to print material so they can bring it into a session. You can end up with a lot more data than you'd get from paper and pencil records especially if the client is tracking a number of symptoms or behaviours at one time. So you may need to set aside some time within or outside the session to make sense of it all. I'd now like to invite Jamie to illustrate how he might use digital tools at different stages of therapy.
1: Great, thanks Julia and hi everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. So let's start with Ben. So he's a 48 year old male. Um, He initially presents with some suicidal ideation against a background of depression and two previous suicide attempts over the past 12 years. So in our uh, first session, I establish a history and determine that suicide ideation has recently been at a moderate level for Ben, so I decide to do a suicide prevention plan using the Beyond Now uh, app. Now I really like this app and in fact, I've only just used it earlier this week as well. Uh, Now I do this with Ben in session and he appears to be quite adept at using his smartphone and he mentions his regular use of particular apps. In adding info to his suicide prevention plan, I make sure Ben learns about Men's Line and Lifeline, their websites and phone numbers. In fact, I make him uh, put those details into his plan. So I suggest that he looks at some of the info on the Men's Line website, which he does after our first session, and he reports back in the second session that he found this very helpful. So we have an extended discussion uh, about the nature of CBT, and I get him to start doing a thought diary. He reports back in the third session that he found it very useful doing the Thor Diary. And he also visited the Men's Line website another two times to read about some other info there. On the Men's Line website, he read some info about alcohol consumption and admitted to me that his drinking was a problem. He expressed a desire to cut back on his drinking and also his cigarette smoking. In session three, I sense that he's gaining some enthusiasm and motivation to improve not only his psychological well-being but also his physical condition as well. So I suggest he look at the Hello Sunday Morning website uh, and app for ideas about better management of his alcohol consumption. I also suggest that he look at the My Quit Buddy app for ideas about how to quit smoking. I also mentioned the This Way Up Depression program that can be downloaded as an app. He decides to do this and starts talking to me about it at our fourth session. I encourage him to keep working through the app and to report back to me on what he did next session, which he does. We continue like this for the next several sessions. So he'll complete a module in the This Way Up program and either prints out a summary and brings it with him to each session, or he emails the information through to me beforehand. We then have discussions about the content of each module, and I try to get him to think in different ways about the information, just as a way of reinforcing the learning. For example, module two in the program asks the individual to take note of how they think and to try to identify some of those unhelpful thinking patterns that contribute to their depressed mood. Ben says he has difficulty doing this, so I offer some suggestions based on my observations and understanding of his situation. N finds it helpful having this objective perspective that personalizes his experience of the automated program. I also continue to follow up with him about how the alcohol and cigarette situations are going, which he's dealing with primarily in between our sessions using the apps. We agree to focus instead on his mood in our sessions because he believes and and I agree with him that our time in those sessions is better spent doing this. All right, so at our 10th session, Ben's got to the part in the program that deals with relapse prevention and he's finished the This Way Up program. We discuss relapse prevention in our session and then we decide to have a break from our sessions as he appears to be managing reasonably well at the moment, knowing that he now has the resources to cope more effectively, including if he has a relapse. Then also acknowledges that he's able to go back and complete any module in the This Way Up program again at any time in the future. All right, so hopefully that's an example of how you might work uh, with someone in your sessions who might be, uh, working on those digital mental health resources in between. So look, I'll hand back now to Julia, and I'll be back later on with another case study. Thank you, Jamie.
0: Incorporating technology into your practice may be particularly relevant if you're working with young people. So we'd like to let you know about some key Australian resources and services aimed at children and young people. This is definitely not a complete list and there are many more fabulous resources out there. So hopefully this will just wedge your appetite and you will explore further. Kids Helpline provides online services for children from the age of five years, as well as for parents and teachers. You can find out about the services, how they protect users' privacy, and information about evaluations that have been done by clicking on tabs from the front page. Service entry points are tailored for different ages and user groups. For example, the 5-12 to year old children's section invites users to indicate how they are feeling and what the feeling relates to in their lives. It offers simple and engaging stories and options to connect with counsellors through telephone, email or web chat. There are also online peer groups facilitated by the Kids Helpline counsellors. Reach Out is a very well-known site for young people and has services uh, for young people as well as parents and schools. Information about privacy, evaluations and Reach Out workers is easily accessible from the About Us tabs on the front page. The site has information articles and videos designed to engage young people and these can be very helpful early in therapy. The site also has moderated forums for peer support. The ReachOut tools and apps portal lists apps developed by ReachOut and other groups and has reviews by young people and service providers. Youth Beyond Blue is another specialist site for young people with psychoeducation articles, videos and quizzes. It provides a lot of information about interventions and encourages young people to support each other. It even has an app which guides people through raising issues and responding supportively. Young people can access phone and online help through this site. Now, eHeadspace is the online presence of the Headspace clinics, so it assists young people aged 12 to 25 years and their carers. People can interact with in house clinicians for mental health and life issues. There are facilitated group chats, and records of past chats are available. There are diverse topics ranging from sleep to the movie 13 Reasons Why. The Biteback site is provided by the Black Dog Institute to support young people's well-being. Research found that young people who used this site for at least 30 minutes, or on at least three occasions a week, had reduced mental health symptoms and increased well-being. So, this site has some features to encourage people to use it repeatedly. Privacy information is easy to find, and the site encourages anonymity and conscious choices about whether posts are accessible to other people. It is highly engaging and offers quizzes, activities to support gratitude and mindfulness, peer stories and very brief interventions in the power-up section. It includes meditations as well as the level-head recordings that consolidate key concepts in well-being. If you're looking for a comprehensive intervention program, The Brave Online program is very well researched and has programs for children from 8 to 12 years old as well as for teenagers and parents. There's a demonstration program available on the website and a fantastic therapist's guide that includes outlines of session content as well as techniques for therapists who wish to help their clients apply and deepen their understanding of the material. If you'd like to find out about more resources for young people, please go to the Head to Health website. Uh, You can use filters uh, to uh, search for services for young people, and you'll find many more wonderful resources um, available through that portal. I'd now like to ask Jamie uh, to illustrate to us how he might use technology in the work that he does with young people in his practice.
1: So, Gracie is a 14-year-old female who initially presents with depression symptoms. And this includes some self-harming behavior. But she makes it very clear to me that she isn't suicidal, has never attempted suicide or made a plan to suicide. And her reasoning for this is she loves her family and would never do such a thing to them. She describes her self-harming behavior more as giving herself uh, an emotional release. And she knows that doing it is not helpful. She says that she's motivated to stop the self-harming behavior, as well as keen to do other things that might help her to improve her mood. So Gracie is, is quite a highly motivated individual. So in sessions one and two, I establish a history and give her some initial information about CBT, such as asking her to complete a thought diary, but sensing that she's got quite a negative outlook on life and and, uh, she presents quite early as being very inflexible in that negative thinking. I start talking about positive psychology and some of the focuses of that particular approach. Uh, And she seems to quite like the idea about focusing on strengths. This is quite new to her. So in session three, I introduced the idea of her looking at the Bite Back website and reading about one of the topics listed under the Learn tab. She chooses gratitude and starts doing the Thank Tank activity. She reports back to me on this in session four. We discuss gratitude in more detail and I encourage her to keep doing this exercise between our sessions because it's something that you can continue to do. So at the same time, we discuss her self-harming behaviours and I give her some some strategies for dealing with this. But I'm not happy about the evidence base for any self-harming apps out there. So I don't direct her towards any of those such resources. So in session five, she reports that her depression levels seem to be improving, but she's noticed that her anxiety has been bad. And this results in a panic attack uh, before she had to give a talk in front of the class the other day. Now, she hasn't mentioned anxiety at all in our sessions. So um, I give her some psychoeducation about anxiety. Uh, And and that includes uh, some links to relevant info on the Kids Helpline and Reach Out websites. Now, she uh, reads some of this information And after sending me a text message asking for my advice uh, about a peer support group that's about to commence on the Kids Helpline website, Gracie enrolls in the group and immediately finds the online peer support group very useful. It makes her realize that there are lots of similar age people out there with issues just like her. So before I go any further, uh, just a quick note about text communication with adolescents. So at the beginning of our sessions, if I've been given the direct mobile phone number of anyone under the age of 18, and I have permission from that person's parents uh, to contact them directly, I make it clear to the young person that any message I send them is also copied to their parent or carer. And I explain to that young person that I need to make their parent feel that I'm working with them as well, and that it's a team effort, but that I also, would never reveal the content of our sessions to that parent. Um, That is, of course, unless I'm I'm concerned about that person's safety. Um, So look, this uh, direct communication with adolescents is an interesting topic, and it is something, um, if if anyone has any questions about afterwards, we can uh, talk more about it. But look, let's move on. So, I also suggest that, uh, given that she's been talking about anxiety, I also suggest she downloads the Reach Out apps, Worry Time and Breathe, which I really love because they're very simple to use, um, uh, very easy for adolescents to use as well, uh, and good for anxiety. All right, so in session seven, she reports that the apps have been really useful. And this leads to a discussion about meditation, because she's been doing this Breathe app. So I point her towards the Headspace app, which has some evidence for its effectiveness. So doing regular meditation between sessions using the app helps her to manage her anxiety. Together with continued use of the Thank Tank activity on the Bikeback website, She also has read a lot about other activities uh, on the the Bite Back website, and these also continue to help her. Gracie appears to be coping reasonably well and is not currently self-harming. So in session eight, she's feeling relatively happy and less anxious. We decide to have a break from our sessions, knowing that she's aware of available resources to help her in the event of a relapse. I encourage her to continue to be proactive in her use of the appropriate digital resources, and I highlight these as preventative tools for her mood and anxiety. Particularly her um, engagement and activities on the Biteback website, her use of mindfulness meditation. I emphasise the importance of these to her to keep doing them, even if she's feeling good. All right, so that's Gracie back over to julia
0: thanks jamie well that brings us to the end of this podcast if you'd like to learn more please head to the black dog institute website where you can find a huge range of free webinars podcasts online learning modules and information resources you can also join like minded colleagues in an online community of practice and discuss your experiences of using technology and other aspects of your clinical practice I'd like to thank Jamie for contributing his expertise and the Black Dog Institute for commissioning this podcast and the webinar that it is based on. If you haven't done so already, we invite you to access the first webinar or podcast in this series, in which Jamie and I discuss how to select and evaluate digital mental health tools. We hope that you found this podcast interesting and that it inspires you to explore further in the world of e-mental health and digital mental health tools.